Hey everyone, and welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me, as always, we have John. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of leaving off where we left off last week, or picking up where we left off last week. The Kings were just on a roll, and that trend has continued. Uh, the team has won nine of their last 11. Darren Fox has been named the Western Conference Player of the Week. CBS Sports ranked us. Uh, fourth in their power rankings. We have the number two offense, and you know we've won six straight for the first time since 2005. Things are just looking up in Sacramento. The beam is being lit seemingly every night they play. Uh, John, what has led to the success of this team? Or just kind of break down this last couple of weeks for us, huh? Well, like first of all, before we do that, I wanna, I wanna, you know. I feel like you and I give Mark Jones a lot of flack because um, Mark Jones can he's not he's not to everybody's taste uh, his style of announcing, but uh, <laughs> he was like I guess they were alluding to a tweet that he'd made because the Kings haven't won six straight since what oh four oh five I can't remember yeah um, I think it was oh four oh five season but I think it was okay. in the oh five part I, I think well Mark Jones was like listing all these songs. I just think it's really funny because he'll just like start ripping out like rap lyrics. I don't know, like I can't name a specific one, but just for he's like he's like we ain't tripping, we trying to keep it pimping, you know. We're throwing it back, you know. The kings are killing it, you know. <laughs> just, I actually think that's kind of funny. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> sounds like Mark Jones. Yeah, it's just kind of throwing it back in a way, and uh, <laughs> it feels like that because damn, not only have you not seen a win streak like this in a long time, but it's like. The way everything is just coalescing into Sa- in Sacramento right now, uh, that's never happened. Like since we were like children, you know. The in terms of the Kings, not like in other ways, but it's crazy. And like you're alluding to, the number two ranked offense in terms of offensive rating, uh, as of recording this right now, um, they are number one in points per game. Uh, They've scored, look at just the last three games alone against the Nets, Spurs, and uh, like this dreaded game against the Pistons on Sunday. You know, they just that's they've won because they've just blown their opponent out of the water. And it's incredible to watch, obviously, Fox and Sabonis, but like clearly the number three on this team is Kevin Herter, and he's just been terrific. Um, and the way that those three can function together, like I feel like there was a play against the Pistons, it was beautiful. It's like Fox dribbles in, sprints up the floor, draws a defender over from Domas, who's up at the top of the key. And then a defender in the corner that's on Herder has got to slide over to make sure that Domas doesn't have a completely wide open lane to the paint. So Domas can then swing it over to Herder. And it's just like examples like that and so many more where these three work together either as a trio or in different tandems where they're just killing it. And... I think that's a huge catalyst. Um, I think also like guys like Malik Monk off the bench, being able to facilitate, score, energize. You just have so many offensively talented players on this team. Uh, It's been incredible. And I think also one of the things that you've seen throughout the win streak uh, is that you're getting a variety of guys step up at different times. I mean, of course, you're getting your contributions from Fox and Sabonis, but different guys are stepping up. You know, sometimes it is guys in the starting lineup that are doing it. The Pistons game was won by the starting lineup. The bench did not show up there. 
But then there's a lot of times where, you know, Monk shows up and has a 20 plus point game or Lyle scores 15 points or something around there uh, and, and plays an important stretch of basketball. Or Dave, where, where Davion Mitchell, like Mike Brown alluded to against the Spurs, comes in and changes the game with his defense. Um, it's just been incredible. But I'm talking about, I guess, more of the offense here. Um, but overall, it's just been incredible because obviously the defense needs some work. But we could talk about that later. Right yeah. now, it's clearly this this offense is just absolutely – I mean, it's, it's just hard to keep up with the Kings offensively. I mean, we'll see what happens in Boston on Friday, but – yeah, exactly. It, it, the Kings are putting up great numbers. Boston is, you know, putting up insane numbers too. Actually, at at this moment right now, the Kings are putting up the second most points, or sorry, points per possession of all time. Um, yeah, behind the Celtics this year. So that's, that's going to be a fun game on Friday. But they're two, you know. It's still early in the season, but they're putting up historic numbers early on. Um, the Kings' offense is just gelling so so well, and yeah, the defense needs to step it up if they want to be considered a serious team. But I mean, shoot, like you said, against the Pistons on Sunday, they they didn't play really good defense, but they're just putting up enough points to you know get over that hump, get the win. So the offense is definitely leading the charge for this team. And it's one of those things that's like some people have said that they're surprised by this. I mean, when you say the thing that, you know, the Celtics and the Kings right now, you know, they're actually having historic offensive years. That is kind of surprising because no one really anticipates that. But the fact that they're near the top of the league is not that surprising to me. I think when we saw this team was not nearly as good or like well-rounded, even post Sabonis trade last year. As it is now, obviously the contributions or the additions in the offseason, like Herder and Monk and such, uh, were like monumental. But you could see it last year. Um, this team, it kind of looked like, I mean, it wasn't as good offensively as I'm saying. But in a way, the Pistons game kind of reminded me of one of those games last year where it's like, oh, dang, the Kings are kind of like keeping this neck and neck. Uh, it's just that last year the Kings would lose that game in the last four minutes as opposed to them shutting the Pistons down for a few positions, possessions, getting a few stops and getting some huge scores with some huge energy on the home floor. Uh, but you could see those connections, you know what I mean? Where it's just like the defense doesn't quite, you know, stop them or whatnot. But I guess what I'm saying here is that last year you could see that this offense could be really great. You just add a few more guys. I remember Justin Holiday, old friend Justin Holiday, who's who was here for just a few few games. Uh, uh, he said that you know this offense in, in terms of late last year they could score with the best of them, and that was true then. What do you think happens when you make those additions? It's going to be like all the better and you know you shouldn't be surprised that they're in the top two and you it's not even that crazy that that, that they are kind of making history in a way i mean they're loaded yeah they they're just absolutely stacked on the offensive side like exactly like holiday he mentioned that with that team last year and then you add in herder you add in monk you have a full training camp with sabonis and fox and they're just taking off um 
I mean, yeah, they can score with the best of them. Not not just the best in the league, the best of all time. Um, I, I mean, I think they're, they're putting up the most points per game since like the 80s or something. So that's just, that's like <laughs> just insane. That's what they're doing on the offensive side. Um, and like you said, against Detroit, that that's a game they lose last year. Detroit, I mean, the, the Kings defense was awful, but dang, Detroit would not miss a three. Um, and they were just having their way with the Kings, it seemed like, when they wanted. But, you know, that offense, you know, the defense wasn't stepping up. So the offense, you know, went into that second gear and just had to score more points, outscore the Pistons to win that one. Um, so maybe not the best adjustment you want to see, but, you know, when you can do it by putting the, the ball in the bucket, then might as well. Yeah, so. and I think I think the big difference is that, I mean, like, they were they they've ever since the Cleveland game, which is the starting uh, was not the uh, yeah it was the start of the win streak the Cleveland game mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, you know that game was won you know because they, they 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 locked up the last few possessions they won late they got stops and got scores and that's just constantly been been a theme against the Lakers the next game. Fox takes over in the fourth quarter, but still, it's late game locking it down. Golden State, uh, I can't quite remember how that game ended, but they had to close that one. I mean, that's the Warriors. Uh, I can't remember how that because we played them three times. I'm mixing them all. I up. know Dude, what happened. What, the the Warriors game, the last one. Let me just click on one of our re- the recap. I don't. Was it close? Did it come down to the wire? I don't. Dude, that feels so long ago. That was over a week ago. But, um, was, yeah, <laughs> How do, it was on a Sunday, a right? A couple, yeah. like a couple Sundays ago. It was Fox, I'm assuming. Yeah, Fox and that's what it's saying here. That's what I guess what I wrote, apparently. I mean, uh, it seems like every game this year, you know, Fox is coming in in the clutch. What, what was the score? Right? That's what I'm more interested in, oh. really. The score was uh was one twenty two one fifteen. Okay, so I I think they just got stops towards the end. Sorry. Yeah, they they just kind of closed. They just they won in the end on a on a twelve uh, to two run. <laughs> so <laughs> it's exactly what we're saying. I don't know why it took us a freaking minute to figure that one out, but uh, <laughs> and then well Brooklyn they didn't need to do that because they. They blew them out of the water. Just blew them out. <laughs> San Antonio, you the offense absolutely exploded, but still you had to be getting stops and whatnot to, to win that game. I mean, I don't actually think that they were necessarily getting that many stops. I think San Antonio still scored a good amount of points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, because yeah, San, San Antonio, Antonio had them. Scored, they scored 30 points in the fourth quarter of that game. So San Antonio did? Yeah. Those How many Kings, the Kings score, The Kings though? scored 41. Yeah, they just say. absolutely unloaded on them. So that's maybe not the best example of what I'm trying to point to here. But the Detroit game kind of was. Because obviously, the uh, I think Kevin Herter described it this way. He was like, you know, they were hitting all their shots. You have to give them credit. Like, they were playing really well. And so the fact, like, our offense is so good, we were able to watch them play their best basketball, and we're, like, right there in it. Like, they were never down by more than, like, six, seven, eight points to the Pistons, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. And, 
and yeah, they were in it the whole time. And then all it had to, all they had to do was bear down in the end and get a few stops. And they, they did, they had like seven stops in the last four or five minutes. Um, and only gave up three points. I think one of them being a free throw. Uh, and I don't know, man, it's just like, again, it's like kind of in reference to last season that, a, that Detroit style game is kind of the type of game you would have seen late last year post a bonus trade. It's like, oh, this offense is kind of doing very well, but it's like, man, yeah, this team can't can't make a stop. And then they would have not been they would have continued not making stops. But this team, you know, in those last four, five, six minutes of the game, they're turning it around. They're coming together. Um, now, obviously, as Mike Brown always says, you want them to be able to do that for as close to forty eight minutes as you can. And they did not come close to doing that uh, against Detroit. I mean, they started out pretty well in the first like three or four minutes, and then they closed out pretty well in the last four or five minutes. So everything else was just like, oh, gee. Um, Detroit was just getting wide open lanes. They were getting good looks from three. Um, everything was just terrible. Uh, and But like, like you say, the offense kind of just kept them in it, and they ended up coming together in the end and actually getting that win. And I think that's been one of the major characteristics of this year's team so far. And if they can continue that, that is like, that's the sign of a very, very good team. Obviously being able to do it for like longer, being able to have a better defense that's in the top half of the league. Cause I think the Kings are, they're closer to the bottom third of the league. I think if, if they're definitely in the bottom half of the league defensively, yeah, but, but it, you know, you want to see that get better. That'd be the sign of a real good team. But mm-hmm. you have to be honest. One of those badges on a really, really good team is being able to win uh, in the last few possessions. Um, that's and, and they're doing that. They've done that like four out of the last six wins uh, on this streak. So that's yeah. been crazy. When, and yeah, when was the last time they did that? It. Exactly. I mean, I would say the only time they didn't do that was against the Nets, really, because they just blew out the Nets. And it, it's been nice to see the Kings getting stops when they need to. Yeah, like their defense has been not the best, uh, you know, through the full game. But where, where we'd see last year, you know, the, the last 16 years, they just the Kings just love to blow leads or just not get stops or whatever in the last few minutes. So it has been very refreshing to watch them get stops when it's needed while, you know, keep scoring the, the, the rock to, to gain the lead or take the lead or whatever. It's something we're not used to seeing. And you're, you're totally right. It, it, it puts us on track to being a good team. So that's what good teams do. Yeah. And it's just like late game, you know, it's always Fox involved. It seems like at the end of the third and the start of the fourth, it's kind of always Davion Mitchell kind of setting the tone to get some of those stops defensively because his ball pressure is insane. Um, <laughs> kind of sounds weird. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just off the charts, dude. Dude, his ball pressure. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> But it's always Fox, you know, for the most part. And Fox has just been like – He's the closer of this team. And it's just that you obviously I think it, it is a team effort because obviously Sabonis is always a huge aspect of it. You can see at times it'll be Herder, that's a huge aspect of it. Sometimes it'll be Monk. 
Sometimes it'd be other guys, maybe Barnes. Um, Barnes is always sprinkling in his uh, kind of nice veteran decisions over these last five, six games. Um, but it's Fox, and he's just, man. And I know we talked about it last week, like, because I think we were just coming off the, the LA game and the Golden State game where he is monumental in winning those games late. And he just continues doing it. And it's just, that's just, that's all-star blood right there. He's just killing it. Dude, Fox is getting, you know, his name around the NBA. The Kings are just in general, which is definitely helping out um, Fox's case. Especially this this lighting the beam thing. I just, I think the NBA really loves it. Uh, You're seeing that a lot now. But Fox is, you know, his, he's really putting his name on the map this year, especially with those clutch points, the Kings winning six straight. I mean, he, that dude earned this player of the week. And not only did he earn the player of the week this week, he was nominated last week. So that's a, that's a pretty good trend right there. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see this dude as an all-star. It's still, what, several months away until February. But yeah. just the way this offense is rolling, just the way that – like we all knew Fox was capable of this. It's not like, is he going to be able to, you know, keep this up for a full season? Like we know he can. And he just starting off the season at this level, which he struggled to do in the past. It's like, okay, well he's doing it now. I don't see Fox slowing down. Dude can score the rock with the best of them. So especially with Sabonis by his side, he's going to keep putting up huge numbers. If dude's a killer, he's always been a killer. Really? He just been on the losing end too many times, so I I think Fox is. I I always said Sabonis like yeah he'll probably be an All Star on the Kings before Fox, but Fox is our best player. Like you said yeah. last week, he's our best player. He's if you could only choose between Sabonis or Fox, it's Fox right now. He's like you said a stone cold killer, closing out games for us, just scoring when he needs to, when he wants really. It's it's just fun to watch. We we he, knew he we knew that. it was in him. He dude. said that last night. He said he said that Did he? Uh, or he said that on Sunday after the game. I think I have the quote here. He said it's like he 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 was talking about kind of just like because obviously there's kind of a two part thing that seems like is really different. One, he's got structure in the coaching staff, um, and also he's got talent around him. And in reference to that talent, you know, talking about that, he added an addition to himself. He said. I can get any shot I want, honestly. I mean, like, and that's absolutely true. So he knows that, definitely. And you could just, you didn't need to say that. I mean, like, like you're saying, you just see it. His fallaway mid-range step backs, it's just beautiful. It's crazy. I don't know. I didn't want to interrupt the flow, though. No, it's all right. It, like, I, I was, I think I was ending, which is, we knew it was in him. And it was, it's nice to see him work on, kind of going back to what I was saying last week, it was nice to see him work on the things he needed to going into this season, especially his three ball and his free throw shooting. It's just, it's just so much better than it has ever been. And that's really helping him unlock his game on top of him just being a good scorer already. So I, I was, we knew it's in him and it's just, it's nice to see him, you know, really tap into that potential is he's, he's looking like a legit all-star this year. And it's not just as a Kings fan at this point, it's not like, yeah, like yeah, he's an all star. Like the the league notices right now, and mm-hmm. that just makes it so much sweeter. Yeah, definitely. It's it's crazy what he does on both ends of the floor. 
Um, and I don't know, man. He's just he's he's so good. <laughs> he's just I don't know. It's ridiculous. Um, and I think defensively, it's just he's engaged for pretty much the whole game, um, which makes him naturally part of the defensive stops that are going on when everybody ties it together. But still, he's usually locked in, sometimes uh, a little over-aggressive, but that has been paying off a lot. I mean, he gets a lot of strips from behind and whatnot. And uh, he, he, I don't know, just everything he's doing, no matter if he's on the offensive end, the defensive end, um, as an example, uh, as a coachable player that we were talking about, the ability to be coached and learn, the, the, the eagerness to learn and get better. Um, the guy is just, there's just no way he's not. I mean, and Sabonis is so damn close to all those things too. Um, just maybe not defensively. Um, and in terms of closing the game, that killer mentality, just nobody's even, the Fox is untouchable. Not even among the team, uh, but to most guys in the league. Uh, he's in the top echelon. <laughs> and I, it's just, it's going to be hard to fathom if this team obviously keeps winning. There's just no doubt that he's going to be an all-star. I mean, he is an all-star. It's kind of always, in a way, you know, it, if it always depends on the winning, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. He's just pulling it all together. It's been special to watch. It really has. Um <laughs> I mean, I have nothing else to add. It's it's been special. I can't wait to see him be an all star. Really, like I really hope he is. It'd be so exciting. Kind of like you were saying at the beginning of this this podcast. It's especially with this beam, man. It's just such a big deal. It's so funny. Um, such a weird idea at the beginning. I saw them like whatever. Like the Kings weren't kind of winning at that point when they when they unleashed it. I think they had only like one or two wins, like two and four. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, why are you going to do this? Did they do it after they won in Orlando or something? I think it was. I think it was after the Orlando win. Which was kind of a fun win because the Fox had that quarter shot. shot. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, whatever. And, you know, everyone is clowning on the Kings. Like, oh, great. See this beam get lit up 15 times a year? Whatever. But then they, they just kind of put their money where their mouth was. It felt like it's like, all right, we're lighting this beam, and you guys are going to win to make us not look stupid. Like the guy who whose idea was it? Like he's just probably like on cloud nine right now. He's like, dang, like I created this, and you just feel like the city really come together. Not like well, obviously the beam represents winning, but it's being lit a lot, you know. So the Kings are winning a lot. You just really feel like this community coming together for once, and not hating on each other, and just going after each other because the king sucks so you have to take your anger out somewhere it's been so much fun so just seeing fox become an all-star this season if you if you will and the kings keep winning that's going to mean a lot to sacramento and it's been it's uh it's a fun time being a kings fan at, at this moment and i hope it keeps up all year but like we were saying it's something that we haven't really experienced since we were nine years old and that's the last time they were in the playoffs we were nine we, we were pretty young when those, uh, you know, those glory, those glory years were going on. So it's, it's a different experience, but it's something Kings fans have been longing for. And 
Fox is leading that charge right now. So it's, I don't know. It's, I don't want to use the word magical. <laughs> it seems so lame, but geez, it's just, it's such a great atmosphere right now in the city. And that's what they deserve. Kings fans deserve that. So I'm glad to see that me and the rest of my fellow Kings fans get to experience it. And even not Kings fans, just, you know, Sacramentans in general, like they're all, they're all on board. So yeah. Awesome. Inside or not in Sacramento, I mean, even just basketball fans, I think we've said it before. It's like a lot of people don't like outside of the Kings, like maybe they'll take their cheap shots at them. I mean, ah, everybody seems to do that, but there's, it seems to be a general feeling of pity and kind of like, uh, understanding the loyalty, at least like seeing it, uh, and, and the pity that comes from that loyalty, not really having anything met on the other end. Um, so I think when the stuff starts happening, the quote unquote magical stuff in Sacramento for Sacramentans and Kings fans, um, you know, I think that people are kind of like, ah, that's cool until you get into, you know, knock on wood, you get into like a playoff series that gets really heated or something. And people are like, fuck Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's nice. It's a nice story now. So it's, I guess it's kind of sweet. But um, I don't know. Things can get kind of weird sometimes. Uh, and, you know, talking about player of the week. Uh, who is the Eastern Conference player of the week? Uh, I think it was a guy who went by Tyrese Halliburton, which is so funny. Like, of course, of course, Fox and Halliburton were <laughs> players of the week in the same week. Um, and I, I, I saw a couple of tweets. It's like, oh, that'd be, you know, like, look at these two guys. Like, that'd be so cool to see them play on the same team. You know, just kind of like joking. Like, you know what? Neither of these guys would have been player of the week. If they were sharing the floor together, it was just obvious. I, I I'm just I'm sick of the That's Halliburton talk. I'm just sick of it. The, Fox and Halliburton weren't gonna, they weren't gonna thrive together. And I still say, sorry to Fox, uh, we we're just gassing him up. If the, I bet the Kings are still trying to trade Fox before Halliburton. I just, you know, the Pacers would rather have had the Halliburton. Halliburton's a great player. He's gonna be a great player. It's nice to see Fox you know, doing the same thing right now. Um, and he's going to be a great player as well. So you got to trade good players to get good players. We got Sabonis. He's really unlocked this offense. Um, I don't know. It's just, I'm sick of talking about it, but I get it. It's headline. So what do you, what, what do you think? How are you well, feeling about is, all this? It, it is funny. It is funny. Um, because it should be an immediate picture of the truth, which is both teams benefited immensely from the trade which i don't know you just can't settle on a draw because that doesn't make good entertainment because quite frankly a lot of this news and analysis from the national sports media is just for eyes and ears it's not to inform you or make you understand anything better you got to play for like espn plus or something you can watch like peyton manning breakdown games i think that might be a little more helpful but (laughs) this crap no and so just anybody that's saying that stuff, that's just surface level BS. And like the thing that's like, oh, imagine if they could play on the same team. Dingus. Well, isn't it ironic that they're doing this when they're not playing on the same team? Einstein. Um, it's just stupid. Um, and 
you know, it, it's the timing of it's interesting too, because like a week or two ago, Halliburton was on his buddy JJ Reddick's podcast, um, and he said like the culture on his last team wasn't a winning culture, which is not wrong, but it changed when he got when that trade happened. You know, the mutual benefit of that trade for both teams. Uh, so that's just kind of like ignoring that. Plus, also just on a side note, uh, was it Fox's wife? I think tweeted that uh, she believes JJ Reddick's been like fanning the flames on this whole crap. I mean, he's the main culprit here, you know. Big surprise, national media figure. Um, JJ Reddick was fanning the flames of this, and that he's just like he. People should understand that, and I totally agree with that because I don't like. At, at first, I was just like. You know, like Halliburton, he'll learn. He'll kind of like look back at this and understand the business aspect of everything, like whatever. But it just hasn't really been the case, kind of because Halliburton posted that stupid picture. I feel stupid talking about this because anytime you're (laughs) doing like, you know, you're doing. So I'm just talking about how this stupid sports national media is or whatever. And I'm like, well, he fucking put this on Instagram. I'm like, that's just stupid. But, you know, he put it out there and it's just like it, it kind of just point go, points to what I'm saying that he, he hasn't, you know, gotten like he hasn't looked back at it yet. He hasn't learned that that's part of the business. And maybe that has something to do with the fact that it's just such a topic that's being nursed to death by J.J. Reddick and others. And it's just dumb. And it's just kind of a shame to see Halliburton kind of fall into that. Because it's like, he'd been kind of sappy about the whole trade from the start. And at first I was like, whatever. Like there was like an interview a week or two after it in like GQ. And he just kind of sounded like, he's like, I really wanted to do all this stuff for Sacramento. It just sounded like he had his heart broken. I'm like, okay, I remember being a young guy too. Like, okay, he'll get over that. And it's like, okay, he hasn't. And I don't know. I do think that it's just like, you know, whenever I can get a chance to just point to the ridiculousness of people like JJ Reddick, I'll do it. But it's just like, this is an extreme case of that. And it's just, I feel like that is doing so much to influence just how dumb Halliburton's kind of being about this. I hate to say it, you know, and it's such a distraction too, I feel like, because it's so dumb to talk about, but it's also just like, I don't know. It kind of makes a, I'm making a point of bringing it up. And then feeling stupid about it. I think that's the point. I think that kind of like illustrates it perfectly. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I get it. I get. It. We have to. We don't have to talk about it, but it's news. Um, I don't know. I, I you said it. I I remember being twenty two. Maybe he's he seemed like a nice guy. Um, Maybe took it a little harder than others would. That's okay. But as Kings fans, we're just going to keep telling him to drop it. Because it was nothing personal. It, we got Sabonis out of it. Like, like I said a minute ago, I, I bet they were going to try to trade Fox first for Sabonis. They would have accepted that before they accepted Halliburton for Sabonis. That's just how it is. Halliburton has a ton of potential. He's going to be a good player in this league. And that's something Kings fans are going to have to live with for probably the next 15 years. Great passer, can score the ball well, great shooter. He's going to be in the league for a long time and probably earn an all-star nod. He he might even earn an all-star nod this year. 
that's how well he's playing. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the game next Wednesday uh, when we play, when Halliburton comes in, buddy, I guess, come back to Sacramento. That's going to be – I really hope the Kings win that game. It was nice when we beat them last year in Indiana, but I don't think we had Sabonis or Fox playing. I think they were out by that point. That's when Mitchell and like Damian Jones kind of started taking over, I guess. But – um I mean the the Pacers are good this year too. They're at this point they're nine and six, just like the Kings, mm-hmm. and you know, on a team that wasn't expected to be nine and six at this point, kind of like the Kings. So they're going to be meeting at a very interesting time in this early season, especially with Fox and Halliburton coming off their Player of the Week awards. Uh, I think I'm going to try to go to that game. It's going to be really exciting to watch, and you know Halliburton's going to come back with. A vengeance. He's gonna he's gonna have a good game. So I hope Fox and Sabonis can somehow match his level. Because yeah, at the end of the day, he's still pissed, and, and he's, I think he's gonna play think, his heart out. I think yeah, and I think well, the fact that he'll be coming back to Sacramento, he'll probably get an ovation. I don't think anybody's gonna boo him. Uh, and he's also gonna see knock on wood. I mean, he's gonna see this Kings team playing really good basketball. Um. And I think that'll be that'll be huge for his perspective on the whole situation, because I think when you're talking about a guy that is hurt by the fact that he was traded, it's a little maybe not intentionally so. It's a little like self-centered to be like, oh, they shouldn't have traded me for Sabonis. And I feel like when he goes back and he sees this crowd that's going nuts for this Kings team, like he never really saw for an extended period of time. And he sees this team playing so well. And he sees the fact that this fan base probably still appreciates him greatly. I think that's going to really change his viewpoint on this. I don't know if you will see him on J.J. Redick bitching and moaning and being a softie about it. hate to say it. Um, so I think this this will be a big thing for the kid. Just kind of from that like context of being young. Uh, it'll take moments like that. And I think it'll be a big moment for him and, and beneficial. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really good game. Uh, anytime you get good, two good NBA teams, it's great. But when you add all those elements, um, it does kind of add for the effect. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that pays off for Halliburton uh, for how he sees this trade in the long run. Yeah, and I hope it does. And like I said, if I go to the game, I, I'll definitely give that, that kid an applause once he gets called, uh, his name gets called out. Unlike... I wasn't at the game on Sunday, but <laughs> I would have started booming Bagley right as I saw him walking to the arena. I hate that guy. Could you but, see uh, Bagley's dad on with the Detroit Pistons jacket? He'd stand up like a couple of times on some three-point attempts late. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I like, man. Clown. He's worse I, than Bagley, too. Dude, he's just the type. It, absolutely. People made that point last night, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's definitely true. You can never, like, for however, the, if the always blame the parent, if the kid's acting up, it's probably because the parent's not very good. But, um, <laughs> true, you know, it's just like every like you play, we, we all played basketball in elementary school. You go around, you play different, you know, schools. There's always that one parent at that one particular school, or a couple parents at different schools, or whatever. It's just like, yo, take it easy, <laughs> it's yeah, like, especially at that level. But yeah, I get you. <laughs> But it's just like, it's like risen to the top here. You know, it's like, you know, 
Marvin Bagley was drafted number two overall for a reason. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, Halliburton. That'll be interesting. Be a and fun game. game. Yeah. And be a fun it'll game. be interesting to see what the after effects, like I said, will be. But would you, okay, quick question. Would you be more, how would you feel? Would you be more upset, I guess, or happy? I don't know. What would you rather have happen, I guess, is my question. Tyree score 40 points or Buddy score 40 points? Um, I, I think it would be, I, I don't know. I feel like from my perspective, I would rather see Buddy score 40 points because I'd want to see him act like a jackass after <laughs> I just want to see that. I want to see him score 40 points and the team doesn't even hit 100 points. I, um, yeah, I want to see Buddy score like 50 points, but then him like turning the ball over for the loss and him just kind of like <laughs> looking up and like disbelief. Like he didn't know what just happened. Like he didn't just dribble it off his foot or something. He's like, who put that there? Who put that foot there? It's like, dude, <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of excited to see Buddy. I don't know why. He's such a... He just comes up like such an airhead, and I I love Buddy and Sack, but I don't know. I he, I kind of got old, tired of his antics towards the end for sure. But I don't know. I think Buddy just really hates Sack too. Yeah, well, remember <laughs> the last be, time they played? He, he, yeah. he had that terrible play. Well, first of all, the thing that you're talking about, where he dribbled it off his foot, that basically lost them the game. And then oh, that had, happened against us, huh? Yeah, and then he you're had right. the nerve after the game. <laughs> nobody freaking brought it up. We wrote about this. Nobody brought it up in the press conference. He just was like answering a question, and then midway through, he just started like dogging on his time in Sacramento. He's like, you know, like Coach Carlisle's let me do all these things that I I was never able to do in Sacramento. They just wanted me to stand in a corner, all this stuff. And it's like, dude, who asked? Like, what the and hell? what world are you living in? You standing in a corner? Like, I know. No. <laughs> Such a I wish. I wish we just had you stand in a corner. But no, Luke Walton wanted to make you into a combo guard you should have never been. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. Buddy Hill, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. World's biggest narcissist. Or the NBA's. He thinks he's he thinks he is Kobe, honestly. Yeah, he does. But Oh well, that'll be a fun game. <laughs> Anyways, that, that's our that's our preview of Indiana versus Sacramento on November thirtieth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like the Kings have a tough stretch up ahead or anything like that for the next three. Yeah, exactly. next four really, because Phoenix is going to be at home on a week from today or a week from the next Monday. But yeah, well, let's get into that. The Kings, um, like we just said, they 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 start tonight a three three games and four nights. Started off in Memphis, head to Atlanta tomorrow, and then they end in Boston on Friday against one of the best offenses in the league, like the Kings. So, and then, like you said, they play Phoenix eventually. Uh, would you say Monday? No, no, I don't know the exact yeah. date. Yeah. So, yeah. this is gonna be it's gonna be a good stretch for the Kings. It's nice seeing them win the games they need to win with this past you know, stretch. They, they beat the Cavs, which is really the only game they could have lost. They sh- should have, I guess, lost. I'd have been okay with them losing. You can't lose to Golden State three times and what? <laughs> or yeah, you can't lose them three weeks. times this early on. <laughs> um, you can't lose to the Lakers. You can't lose to the Pistons. You can't lose to the Spurs. Nets, they should have beat the Nets and cl- they clearly did. So, 
Um, this was their first real test since the winning streak began, the 9-11. I guess they beat the Heat once in this 9 of the last 11. Um, but this is when they start playing playoff teams. It's not just the bottom dweller. So well, what do you think? What, what do you think is going to be the hardest part for them? Or well, what's your I analysis? Think, I think to start, the Kings are drawing a lot of luck in that they're not going to have to face John Morant or Desmond Bain, who both scored over 30 points against them in October. Uh, so that's huge. But you're still going to Memphis on the road, you know, uh, holiday week, starting to get cold. I mean, Memphis isn't that bad, I don't think. I've never been there. But, uh, you know, uh, it'll be important for them to take that game, I think. Because even if they go one and two, like you don't want to go 0-3, I think. And I think this is the probably the only one that you could say is fairly winnable. You never want to say that on the road. You never want to get that cocky, but given the circumstances, you should you should take this game, um, and especially because you're going to be going to Atlanta um, next on a back to back, and you know Herder will be going back to Atlanta, so that'd be cool. So hopefully he can have a big game, um, but that's tough back to back against a really good team, um, and you know. That, that won't be easy. You got Thanksgiving. You got a break on the road. And then you play the best offense. And I don't know why I said the best offense like I was from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the best offense, but arguably the best team in the yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. With 13-3, I think is their record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a football record. Uh, but they're the, it's like the Pats. But um, <laughs> uh, that doesn't get any easier. But at least you have a day off there beforehand, I guess. Um, that should be really fun because I don't know where Boston's ranked defensively right now, but they're they're not. I think they're in the top half. But uh, you know, that's going to be one of those games where it's like, I mean, I think all three of these games you're really going to get a good glimpse at who this team is because I think this will be not only their toughest stretch. But it's like now they're, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but they're further into the season. You know, it's uh, it's it's a little more, I think you saw it in, against Detroit. Mike Brown said it. He's like, once Detroit started hitting shots, I didn't like the way the guys responded. And that was, they became un- uncharacteristic. They didn't value possessions, uh, weren't playing really the right way. And I think it'll be important because the Kings, this is going to be the, biggest load of adversity coming their way these are be three good teams regardless of morant and bain are out for memphis that's still a close-knit group that plays well well coached at home they have a good home court advantage there uh that's still a tough game and don't even need to say anything about how tough the x the other two will be so it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that like if a loss does happen in memphis do they how do they come out against atlanta it's going to be how does this team respond? And I think they have a good ch- – I mean, they've shown so far that they can respond the right way for the most part, or at least close the right way, as we were kind of saying. But I think that'll be the most interesting thing. I don't know. What are you looking looking at ahead of this three games and four nights? Yeah, I'm going to look at the defense. They're, they're not going to get away 
winning these games with the defense they've played. Uh, last few games, like yeah, they're scoring a lot, but they're going to be playing up. They're going to be playing against better defenses too, so their points per game are going to go down. Um, so yeah, just uh, just the defense really. You're going to have to play 48 minutes of solid defense. These are good teams. I don't, I don't know. Is Atlanta that good actually? Yeah, but, they're they're they don't shoot the three very well, but offensively they're pretty pretty top. 10 sometimes top five in some of these stats yeah so it all starts with the defense we all knew that this team wouldn't be a good team until we saw it out of their defense playing good teams now the defense has to step up you know you're not going to worry about the offense too much but you know, like what you said if you lose in memphis how are you going to respond in atlanta yeah so that, and, and i think a big it's game. A, that defense thing is fair to point out because you know, ultimately the defense came up with some stops late against Detroit. But as Darren Fox said post game, like if we're not on the home floor, we probably don't win that game. And well, now you're going out for three tough ones on the road. And if you're still, you, I could very much see the Kings in all of these games scoring with these teams. I can see them running with Boston, you know, scoring with Boston, keeping up with Boston. But it's like, what's going to happen late in the game? That's definitely home, where home court advantage becomes big. So that emphasis on defense becomes a bit bigger. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. That that'll be huge. Uh, but it's gonna be really tough. And then you just come back home and you have to face Phoenix, which is a really good team. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. So next four is really tough, but this is these three in particular with just mm-hmm. one day off, especially on the road too. One day off. You have to Thanksgiving too. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine that's the best, the best fun for professional yeah. athletes. Especially, especially on the road too. Like, oh, do you, do you even see your family? Yeah. If they, if you can maybe if they travel with you, but circumstances and sometimes financial stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe it's maybe. I mean, I would hate like, to not be with my family on Thanksgiving, but I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll do something together. Have like their own team family Thanksgiving, and I don't know, can build some chemistry that way. Trying to see the yeah, they probably will. Yeah, Friendsgiving. Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, I want to know. So we found out who had a good Halloween costume. We could find out who makes the best stuffing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think cooks well on this team? Cooks well. Um, Hmm. I I see Barnes (laughs) just. I could see Barnes just being great at like just everything. He's like a black belt, I assume, for some reason. <laughs> he just, he's just a great chef. He's not a great. No, he's a I great baker. I think he's a great just, baker. Very, yeah, it's very like precise. But you have precision based with the measurements and everything. Yeah. Like uh huh. I always imagine Barnes is the type of guy that cleans his house twice a day. <laughs> but you know who was probably a good cook? I just feel like it'd be like. Shima Maneke's style because like the way he dresses and whatnot and the way he talks I'm just like he's the type of guy that tells the girls like hey let me cook for you <laughs> it's like you're a cool motherfucker what the hell? you know what you know who Kevin Herter should have gone as I know he had the best Halloween costume but he could have gone as Remy or not Remy um Linguini from Ratatouille yeah <laughs> a little, yeah I could see it yeah you know, he got the red hair he should, maybe he's a good chef just, yeah. just based off of that analysis, that in-depth yeah, analysis. Yeah, he's always wearing a tall chef's hat when he's cooking. 
Yeah, yeah, right. He's got a rat on him. He's got. <laughs> Is this that's what's going on in the headband? This he's got something, something connection. There's some connection there with the headband. It's not really hurt or hit shooting fifty percent from three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he goes off against Atlanta though. That'd be. Like, I, like, how's Atlanta feeling, right? I, I know Atlanta always, I was kind of reading about it or just reading, like, going out to their forums and stuff. And they're like, like, we like we knew this was in Herder. They, they obviously don't hate him. He got traded. It's like he left. But I wonder how they're feeling about that trade now. Because, <laughs> I mean, I get it. that the, They uh, they got uh, Murray and Trey Young now. But, shoot, Herder's having a great year. He's shooting, like, 50% from three on seven attempts a game. That's incredible. So I wonder how they're yeah. feeling right now over there. For reference, DeJounte Murray is averaging 21.1 points a game. Uh, yeah, he's just not really doing anything from three. Not like he's really expected to, but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's better for the style Atlanta wants to play because obviously the style Atlanta wanted to play did not let Herter unleash himself. So it could be one of those things where maybe both of them benefit. But I don't know. They were really good offensively last year with the way it was. And now they're just – I think they score like, – like I said, like they're – yeah, they're number nine in points per game. But they, weren't they like the number two offense last year, the, the Hawks? Um, yeah, I mean, that? they've had a good offense really since Trey Young came over. And not to like overlook them, they were – they were one game away from the NBA Finals two years ago. Yeah, and they lost to they lost to a Bucks team without Giannis in one of those games. But I don't know, Murray. I, I feel like that yeah, Murray they the, signing. They, were, or, they, had, they had the number two offensive rating last season. Yeah, and they were they they weren't that good last year though, right? I think they had a losing record. Yeah, but now they're 16 in offensive rating this year. But let me look at that Murray <laughs> trade to me. Sorry, I'm going to just say No, sorry. go, go, go. They're, they're also 10 and 6 for reference. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're 10 and 6 this year. That's interesting. I don't know. The Murray trade to me, was, it kind of reminded me of that Gobert trade. It's like, okay. Like, you're just going to add a center to a team with already a good center. That's how I kind of, it's kind of like the Murray trade. I'm like, all right, you're going to, you going to add a, point guard to a team with already an all-star point guard like i don't know i get what you like like we have two of them i don't know it's kind of like the halliburton fox thing it's like why do you need maybe maybe look elsewhere like another position but whatever and they're 10 and 6 they're 10 and 6 but now we're yeah. just gonna analyze the hawks and their decisions <laughs> but i see john collins is having a bad year so yeah it's, maybe it's good we didn't trade for him yeah. Um, what's he doing this year? He's scoring 12.4 points a game. That's not good. Um, and he's shooting 23.4% from three. Um, seven point. He's down in rebounds, three point percentage points. That's not good. Well, yeah. So I don't know. We, don't, we, don't, we don't cover the Hawks. I don't know what he's been doing lately or anything like that. Because uh, I mean, this is like a nice transition to – to we, we we started a thing last week i guess i should start with we started a thing last week for a weekly progress report on harrison barnes and i'm gonna say here in what's supposed to be the second week of it even though we've been kind of doing it all year but officially the second week of it uh i don't 
know if this needs to continue further. Uh, he's been quite good in his last six games. First of all, for reference, he was in his first nine games of the year. Harrison Barnes was scoring 9.9 points a game, uh, grabbing 5.3 rebounds, uh, 1.9 assists, uh, under a steal a game, and shooting 16.7% from three. In his last six, he's scoring 16.8 points per game six with 6.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists, over a steal a game, and shooting 42.1% from three. Now that's, that's exactly, that's that's exactly what you expect. That's exactly the stat yeah. line that I was kind of thinking, like 15, 16 points a game, like all that. I mean, I think the, the rebounds are real nice. Um, and, man, it's just – it's. And like I, I kind of alluded to earlier, it's just like he's feeling a little more comfortable, I think, in the offense. And he's definitely one of those guys that's steady when he needs to be steady, even if he, that means being kind of marginal. But that also means he's always constantly on the glass, making the right play. But also if things get stagnant, sometimes he'll get mixed in there with bench players and whatnot or uh, what and whatnot and like late in the first quarter and into the second quarter. And – You'll see him also in the second half doing this. You'll see him when things get a little stagnant sometimes, as they're prone to do when Sabonis isn't on the floor or Fox isn't on the floor, or both of them, God forbid, aren't on the floor. And uh, Harrison Barnes, if there's a few possessions where maybe a couple unforced threes with no paint touches or a turnover or something happens, he'll get to the paint and three things, one of three things will happen. Either he'll get a score which wasn't really happening at the beginning because he was looking like less athletic and just not really finishing and weird. So he's been finding ways to finish. He's either, or he's getting to the line, which he's doing pretty well. I think he's averaging over six free throw attempts in these last six games. And there's been a few where he's had like eight or 10 and, um, or he'll, you know, dish it to somebody else, um, which is not as likely as the first two, but it's still a possibility. And it's just like those veteran decisions. That's like the, Again, it's what you want. It's exactly what you expected, what you need from him, you know? So it's been it's been nice. And I think defensively, uh, like Barnes, you, you, I think the main assessment of everybody defensively on this team, if you want them playing on a string, is how they play in the team defense. And he's okay in the team defense, especially lately. Um, you know, in isolation, I mean, he's like fine in isolation against Bogdanovich, like we saw on Sunday. Like, that was okay. Like, that guy's not going to really blow by you. Um, but, you know, some guys you just don't want him one-on-one with. But defensively, he's been pretty decent. And I think one of the things, and I should have touched upon this when we were talking about the defense kind of being spotty, because um, Barnes mentioned this, that the biggest problem defensively right now is just communication, which is something that is you know, it, it's in constant progress. So I think that as you're seeing his defensive kind of uh, comfort or defensive performance improve slightly, it's not like huge. It's not like he's a defensive stud. I'm not going to go out and say that, but serviceable, solid. Um, I think that has to do with growing more comfortable with the communication, the communication becoming more strong. And uh, I think that can only get better. And he's just the type of guy that's going to continue to grow with that because he's got that veteran presence. And so offensively and defensively, he's making the right decisions. You know, he's playing a sustainable amount of minutes. I think he's averaging 
32 on the year, but in these last six games, he's been playing about 30 a game. So that's, that's nice. And uh, I don't know. Those stats speak for itself in the last six. That's just really, really nice. And what he did with the Pistons game, he, he was a steady beacon the whole game through. Ended up with over 20 points. Nice stat line. Great game. And he's been making huge contributions. Yeah, I think I was saying that last week. Um, I think Barnes is at his best when he gets to the line. And that's something we've been seeing him do. He's, he's attacking the back basket a lot better. Um, it seemed kind of like at the beginning he was he had these like just bad moves to the uh, to the in the <laughs> I can't speak. He just had some bad moves driving uh, into the paint, and he's just like he's not getting foul calls. He's not getting good looks. He's kind of just throwing them up. So it's nice to see him actually get some contact. You know, get fouled by the defender. I mean, you're scoring like you said eight, or he's averaging about eight free throws a game last six. That's for Barnes, six, seven points right there. So, and you have to read, I don't know. It just, it just opens up a lot for him and kind of gets him in the flow. So, like, I, it, like I was saying, like earlier this year, too. Like, yeah, it was disappointing seeing Barnes start off like this. But if anyone's going to get back to form, it's going to be Harrison Barnes. He knows, he knows what's going on. He knows it's unlike him. So, last six games, 16, five, and what? Three, I think you said two and a half. That's that's Barnes' numbers right there, and that's what you need. And Kings have been winning with him getting back to form. So he's an important player on this team, and a, a lot of the success will depend on him. So he needs to keep this up all year round. Um, Barnes, you know, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a backup small forward for some reason. We got rid of Bazemore for and kept Chima Maneke, but. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's nice to see, and he he just got to keep it up. Really, he, his 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 play means a lot. So, yeah, and um, you know, before that great game against Detroit, James Ham reported that the Kings, according to a league source, are not exploring any trades uh, involving Harrison Barnes, and that they're instead looking to build upon this chemistry. And uh, I mean, we could we could deduce, go through the deduction process of figuring out what this possibly means. But to me, that kind of sounds like, well, you're going to give him an extension then, right? Because that's the big thing. It's not really necessarily about whether or not he's playing well or not, was whether they wanted to trade him or not. But it did go into his value, so it mattered. But it was because he's not necessarily, they're not, they, they won't necessarily be able to retain him next year. And you want that security going forward. And if they're looking to keep him and they're looking to build chemistry and he's only 30, people are talking about getting a 32 year old Jay Crowder. So it's like, Barnes still has a couple of good years, especially the way he's playing now. It definitely seems that way that he's still got some good years left in him. Uh, a contract extension gotta be on the way right and that's a good idea right yeah and just essentially because the the small forward free agent market next year isn't that crazy unless you can bring over jeremy grant and then play him at the small forward um that's (laughs) that's about it yeah so i mean that's about it let me i have it up i think i saw will barton is a free agent um 
Chris Middleton the player option. So unless you can somehow pry him away from the Bucks, which is you know not going to happen. Yeah, it's that's about it for free. I mean, he's the first small forward after Middleton that pops up on like the big board of free agents, unrestricted free agents. Not even unrestricted. Chris Middleton has a player option. So he's the first small forward. Jeremy Grant, he's more of a power forward than a small forward. Then you got like Will Barton and then Kelly Oubre Jr., I guess, is, I don't know how he's doing anymore. But uh, yeah. And then Jay Crowder, of course. Um, so not, not a lot to choose from next year. And on top of that, even if you have your eyes set on one of those guys, like, we're Sacramento. It doesn't mean they're. Doesn't mean you can pick them up. So uh, it's nice to see Barnes seem better because you kind of are hoping that you can get him on a contract extension. Maybe, obviously, not a four-year, eighty million dollar deal like he signed when he first came or that first contract he signed here. But if you can get him, you know, in the fifteen million dollar range, and if he throws up sixteen five and three for the rest of the season, then he's going to be worth at least 15 mil at the small forward position. So this is a team yeah. built to win and you cannot have a gap at that small forward position. Barnes fills it. He's been here forever. He knows, you know, he knows Sacramento and he's just a vet. This is a younger team. It's nice to have like a 30 year old, like Barnes, like a, not just a 30 year old, but Barnes at 30 years old. Like that's a vet vet right there, you know? So he brings a lot of value to this team. So they, probably should be looking into contract extensions for that man. Yeah. It just seems like the smart decision. I mean, as you're laying out there, I mean, like maybe the only argument you could make is like, if the Kings wanted to stick with that, like everybody between the age of like 23 and 26 or whatever, like maybe you go after Kelly Oubre, but I feel like I still want, I feel like if I'm McNair, given the viewpoint on this year and two years after, I would want Barnes, um, especially if you're talking about a chemistry thing. And if it takes a while to get used to an offense, I guess. I mean, like, you don't want to mess with that continuity. And Barnes is a very def- dependable piece. And I think we'd always anticipated, as the coaching staff seemed very adamant about, that in the small sample size of him struggling, which was, what, nine games? Like, that's not really going to matter in the long run. Like, he'll get it together. And so... Just with everything in mind, like not only is it slim pickings outside of Barnes, but Barnes is a pretty good option, actually. And maybe if you can somehow get it a little more affordable, I don't know how all that works. I don't know how believable any of that is, but I mean, that would probably be the only constraints is coming to an agreement on the number, the financial number. So I don't know. I just feel like. That's got to be in the works. That's what, when James Ham reported that, I'm like, oh, okay. I think I know what that means. Well, that's what the, what the idea is, at least. And given the reality, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I was kind of thinking that at the beginning of the year, too. I'm like, might as well try to lock down Barnes and then try to fend, you know, look in free agency and a, a very limited class. So it's, it's nice to see Barnes regain form because 
then that it gives you better perspective going forward. It's like, okay, like Barnes still has it in him. Like this is a guy we, we could extend and keep as our small forward going future. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, this over the six game win streak, I think he's been playing like a top five player on this team. Oh, easily. You can argue top four. Yeah. Maybe even top three. Maybe. Probably not. No, I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, give it, uh, I don't know. He's been super consistent in what he does for the most part. But I'd still give, like, like, Herter wins games. when he, I don't know. Like, I just feel yeah, like it's hard not to get it. Herter there. Mm-hmm. But um, especially, like, that Detroit game. I mean, like, of course, Barnes was great the whole game. But Herter's fourth quarter, him and Fox were great. Um, anywho, he's playing top four, top five player on this team. And then the, the one person that's maybe competing him for fourth is Monk. Uh, we'll see how this plays out in the long run. But, uh, you know, given that, it just, I don't know. It just makes too much sense. It's just kind of, as some people would say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it doesn't necessarily look like it's broke. And it might actually be pretty good. So that ain't bad. No, not at all. He's really turned it around and, it's it's great to see, and you know you know Barnes had it in him all along. It kind of felt like when, not if, but mm-hmm. he started off really bad. He started off really poor, which was so uncharacteristic, which brought up those flags. But he turned it around quick enough. So he looks like same old Harrison Barnes, bacon, you know, cookies in his off time cleaning the house. So twice a day, twice a day. <laughs> Uh, getting his black belt after games, I don't know, in the evening. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, moving on to a, hmm. another guy that I just feel like we don't really talk about a lot um, is uh, Davion Mitchell, who is still he's obviously an important part of this team, and you see that defensively. We I did allude to him earlier in that at the end of third quarters and at the beginning of fourth quarters, he's setting the tone defensively. Whenever the team is ending up getting stops in the end, you can kind of trace it back to what Davion Mitchell does in terms of pressuring the ball handler. And Mike Brown has noted that a lot. Uh, He pointed that out. He said the game changed because of Davion in reference to the Spurs game last Thursday. So there's no doubt about that. Defensively, he's been great. Undeniable. When he's out there, he's always always stretches where he's just putting together like two, three, four great defensive plays in the span of a few minutes. Um, He's he's terrific. You could just watch. It's always fun just to watch him. You know, just keep an eye on him on the defensive end. Nothing else. Don't watch the ball. Watch Davion Mitchell. Um, But offensively, especially in terms of his three point shot, which is kind of an important aspect. I think in this offense, just because as good as he is at getting on the inside and he's very good, you have a lot of guys that can do that. And it seems like Monk is the one that gets deep in the paint more than anyone and sets up for more shots on the outside for his teammates than anybody else in the second unit. So I think it kind of raises the importance of Davion Mitchell's three-point shot. And it's been kind of very inconsistent and it hasn't necessarily actually been good overall. Um and he was really good in preseason. So it looked like things were kind of coming along. And he put in a lot of work in the offseason 
putting up like 500, 600 shots a day or whatever the story was. And, you know, he's shooting 33.3% on the year, which is honestly not, that's kind of actually more than I thought he was. Uh, he shot about 31% last season. Um, but in his last nine games, which are the nine games since the Charlotte game, when he went five of six um, in relief, basically of Darren Fox, when he what, bruised his knee. Um, so in his last nine, he's shooting 29% from three. Uh, overall in the season, again, from above the break, which is not shooting from the corners from three, he's shooting 38.2. But in the last nine, 33.3. On catch and shoot threes on the year, as a whole, 37%, but in these last nine, 25%. And then like one bump in the last nine games where he's shooting 26.7% on pull-ups on the year. He's shooting 37.5% uh, in the last nine on pull-up attempts. And I guess my point there is, is just real up and down, no real clear picture as to how that three-point shot's coming along. It just seems real choppy right now. And... You know, he's defensively, he's a difference maker and he's a part of the rotation. And he's a big part of the team, no doubt. But if you could start knocking that three point shot down, I mean, I think he like hit one early in that Detroit game and it was just, he sunk it. I think he stepped back. It was beautiful. And it's like, okay, he's getting it going. But I think he missed the other two in that game. So I don't know. I think that that's something worth pointing out. Um, it is. Mitchell is just an inconsistent shooter. Mitchell reminds me of someone who shoots like he doesn't really have any feel. I think, I think he just like is very mechanical and just kind of hoping it goes in. He's like, all right, like if I do that, but from this side, you know, where Steph, like he, he, he has a shot. He can affect the way his shot goes in. Mitchell isn't like that. He's going <laughs> to, I guess keep the ball 30 uh, feet up in the air with that arc. He's added on this <laughs> off season. And um, I don't know. I guess just hope it goes in. I don't think, I don't know. Does that make sense? He just seems very mechanical. I think he needs to get a little, little more feel. Um, I don't know. He, he, like, he's kind of like last year. just inconsistent, inconsistent this year from three. You were hoping he could really bump that three-point percentage up, especially the way he was saying he was working on his three-pointers in the offseason. Um his offense has kind of just, I mean, he's obviously in there for his defense. Still a really good defender, but his offense needs to step up. He's kind of almost non-existent on that end at times. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's Davion Mitchell, inconsistent. Well, the first thing, like, you were saying that, like, maybe he's a little too mechanical. Well, I mean, I guess the stats in the last nine kind of back it up and that all of them are down, like, particularly looking at the difference between catch and shoot pull-ups it's down in catch and shoot percentage and the last night he's shooting 25% on that but in pull-up attempts which is a far more fluid shot uh he's shooting 37.5 in the last nine so that kind of bears that guy kind of backs up what you're saying there yeah but and I think the some of the offensive like spottiness I think it does have a lot to do with the fact that like Malik like we were talking about it two weeks ago like Malik Monk's he's like a point guard He's he's just whatever he learned over the last year and over the off season and gaining chemistry with these guys. It's just he's setting up for other guys all the time and he's attacking the paint constantly. He's aggressive and he's just 
he, he almost does a better job of mimicking Fox than the backup point guard does. So it's kind of interesting, you know, that, so no, it's not that, necessarily that Fox, I mean like Davion Mitchell, I mean, he's still like, he's hitting his shots inside. He's converting shots near the rim, but it's just like, he's only getting like, like two attempts, you know? And I feel like that's maybe he just kind of like in terms of knowing your role and the distribution of shots and whatnot, and, who's going to handle the ball on offense, especially if this team is getting a stop from Davion Mitchell's defense or whatnot, who's leading the charge in the second unit? Again, it's Monk, you know, usually. Um, I don't know. Maybe those are oversimplifications, but it seems no. like a major part of it. No, I, I think you bring up a great point. You you did bring in Monk, who is acting like a point guard. He's more of the, like you said, backup point guard to Fox than Mitchell is. Mitchell is going to do one thing really well, and that's play defense. And that's what he's been doing. And uh, Brown, you know, commends him on it. He's like, we're not winning this game without uh, Mitchell's defense. I think he said that. Was it against the Spurs or maybe even against the Pistons? Um, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I think yeah, he, said, he said the, the game changed against the Spurs because of Davion's defense. Yeah. And so bringing in Monk, let him run the offense, let him score all the buckets. Like, you don't need that out of Mitchell. Just let Mitchell focus on defense. Yeah. It'll be nice. I think Mitchell, he just needs to be a 3 and D guy. It's a bummer that he's not hitting his threes well. Hopefully that turns around. But, I mean, like you said, knowing your role, his role, and what Brown wants him to do is play good defense. That's why the dude got drafted. You're kind of hoping his offense picked up, but you have a defender with Davion Mitchell's skill set. Like, that's great. And that's what he's doing. Especially with Monk, it just makes his, his... offensive in existence i guess a little less man or you know more manageable and maybe like you said he's only getting like two shots a game could be planned it's like all right mitchell like play good d the shot comes to you take it and he's enough of a threat on the three-point line where it's like okay like he can hit him so maybe it's just all in the game plan and we're just maybe even making something out of nothing i mean he is inconsistent on the three-point line and you know if you want to be a good player in this league, he's going to have to start hitting those. But you, at the end of the day, you just can't look overlook his defense and his role on this team, which is being a good defender. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, to elaborate on that, I think he was asked a few nights ago, or at least in one of these games in the last week, like about his role, which has kind of been a constant thing because a lot of roles have emerged and have become pretty clear. And sometimes with Davion, Maybe necessarily, not necessarily defensively. I think the defensive aspect is always part of the role, but it's not necessarily the most clear overall. So he'll get asked about it, and he's mentioned the defense, obviously, but you know, same same magnitude of importance is the energy, and maybe that comes mostly from the defensive end. But so I, I think that has to do. I guess what I'm saying is, what it does definitely has to do with what his role is, and he's doing what his role is. And I think once three-point shots start to fall, then, you know, maybe he'll be a little more aggressive about it. Um, Maybe he just doesn't feel like he can be aggressive. That could be a part of it, which maybe you don't want to see. You don't want to limit him. And especially Mike Brown doesn't want to let him limit him. Look at the way he talks about Trey Lyles. He wants wants all his guys to let it fly. If If they got an open shot, if they got a good shot, hit it. And I don't know, maybe there were a few times against Detroit might have been a few other guys but there were a few Davion Mitchell I think Metu I think they kind of hesitated on a few threes 
And again, maybe you don't want them taking those shots, but it's like some of them, some of them are decent. And it's like, is a shooter, um, you just got to keep shooting, you know? <laughs> shoot, you got to shoot. You got to do it. I mean, Kevin Herter said that after the Pistons game. He's just like, that's just part of it. You just got to, that's what you got to do. Because it started off like one of six. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just shooters, they come back around, I think is what he said. Those are the words he used. So you got to get into that mentality. And if you add that element to the defensive stuff that Davion Mitchell's already doing, well, then he's, uh, that that bench unit, which is so great this year, that bench unit is even better. So, and that can make a huge difference. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. look, look at the Detroit game. Like, the, the starters had to win that game. I mean, Davion, like I said, arguably was the best player off the bench, but only for his defense. It would have been really great to see Davion really step it up offensively. And I think he only had, like, five points. So, I don't know. Those are the opportunities where he could be doing that. And that's probably the missing link for him, I guess. Just that offensive consistency and regret, like uh, feeling um, like he can have command uh, and, and have that aggressive feel, which I think he does well because you see him kind of unleash himself when he gets the opportunities. But Yeah. I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day, he never really had a three-point shot coming into the league. Um, still a young guy, and he just has that great work effort. Um, so, or work ethic. Um, so, hopefully, he can just just keep working on it, and it starts falling. He, the the kid has the like I said, the work ethic in him, and he's a workhorse. He's gonna do what he's gotta do to get better. So, hopefully, he can overcome these inconsistencies on offense sooner than later, and. I don't know. Maybe it'll be another year. It's only a second year. Sophomore slump is a thing. So we'll see. We'll see how we see how resilient he is. But I trust him to make strides, you know, going forward. Yeah, he's got to he's got to figure out whatever he was doing in his last year from at Baylor. Yeah, I know. He's like 42 from three, I think. Something like that. It's like, uh, let me see here. 44.7% 44.7% on 4.7 <laughs> attempts per game. So, Davion. Come on, Davion. Yeah, you got it in you. He's got it in him. He's got it in him. If he could, um, just, hit it, if he could just hit him at a, you know, a better clip, 36%. Get up to 35. <laughs> Maybe that's a little they're asking a lot from a guy that shot 31% last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But he is shooting, again, like on the year against, what, 16 games, seven, uh, it's 15 games. Into the year, he's shooting 33.3%. He's hitting a third of them. I mean, like even that, like if you finish the year like that, it's like that's a progression. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I feel that. But it is something to note for sure. But, yeah, that's, I mean... I guess to start wrapping it up a little, just yeah, and on that note with Davion Mitchell, uh, the Kings play the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, looking to win their seventh straight. I couldn't, I don't, I don't know if they won seven straight in 05. I don't know if they won that seventh game after that six game winning streak. Um, but Desmond Bain's out, Danny Green's out, John Morant is doubtful. Doubtful. So it's a it's a game the Kings can certainly win. Extend that streak to seven. Um, game you kind of hope they win, um, giving that small advantage with two of their better plays, 
better players being out, especially on this tough stretch ahead, three and four, and then Phoenix a couple days later. So Kings, though, they're looking good. And, I mean, if they can just keep up the way they've been playing, maybe get a little better defense, I think they can win a couple of these tough games ahead. So it's been exciting to watch, and I'm excited to watch tonight. What about you, John? What do you got to wrap it up? Yeah, it's, that's that's it. Take advantage of the one bit of luck you have on this tough stretch and try to get that win before the back-to-back in Atlanta. Let's hope for a good show in Boston. Um, yeah, maybe they can come out of this. I mean, like, I think you come out of these three games, if you win one of them, like, that's pretty good. I think that's you'd be, I, I think that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you don't want to go 0-3. Um it's weird because it's like I feel like one and two is possible, but I almost feel like it's like this team's either gonna freaking lose them all or go two and three, two and one. I mean, or something. yeah, you know, like, I, like, I agree. Do something great or just completely. I don't know. We'll have to see, but um, I have no feel on the pulse of the future, so I don't know. But it'll be interesting. Um, it'll be a tough and telling stretch ahead. Yep. Yep. A very telling stretch. But if that's it, I don't got anything else. But uh, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.